This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 91. You know, I'm concerned about the current pilot shortage, or should I say lack of qualified pilots available for hire. You know, this is the only industry where we can't call a pilot shortage a pilot shortage for political reasons. But that's a topic for another podcast. And you can listen to my discussion by clicking on the pilot shortage tab on my homepage at Aviation Careers Podcast and check out the show notes there. But I digress. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. My name is Carl Valera. I'm here with Tom Wachowski. And as you can tell, we're going to have an interesting discussion today. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Going very well, Carl. Thanks for having me on the show again. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> it's great to hear you also, Tom. And we had a great time last time. Thanks so much for the feedback, folks. Uh, uh, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We're getting lots of questions. Uh, also, you know about our voicemail. It's Dip My Wings. Dip My Wings is the uh, actual voicemail there. And uh, you, it's, oh, as far as the number, it's called, it's 347-699-4647. You can leave a message only up to three minutes. So if you want to make a longer than three minute call well just start it over again and and continue but it's only three minutes long and that that way the reason we use that is so that we can record it and actually bring it onto this podcast here but you know getting back to the what i started with here you know my my real concern right now and we're going to get into some really cool listener mail but my concern today is, is the complacency i'm finding amongst pilots when it comes to careers you know many of you rejoin this career after years of pursuing another job because of the recession uh, having been through a few recessions in, in the aviation industry, I want you to understand the pursuit of an airline job or any job you truly want is a marathon and not a sprint. You know, during every downturn, the first people who bail out of this industry are those who are sold on an airline pilot career or any flying career, really, as a six-figure income with many days off. Although this is true later on in your career, it does take years to realize this goal. Therefore, please, if you're considering this as a career, go into it because you enjoy the job. Don't do it simply for the money, because in the beginning, you'll be disappointed. You know, furthermore, though many of the airlines may be knocking on your door, and it seems that, you know, if you can fog a mirror, you can get a job as an airline pilot, this won't last forever. There's a saying, the worm always turns. And in this industry, it happens. I mean, there's an uptrend and there's a downtrend. In the industry, it goes up, it goes down, just like any other industry. So please don't become complacent during this current pilot shortage. Because you know what? We're going to make sure that you don't become complacent. And I'm finding this happening quite a bit amongst not just, not just the pilots, but even recruiters and even people that are, that are the regional airlines right now. They're saying, Oh, this will never end. Well, I, I, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a pilot, Tom, and it was really interesting. He was a, an old, uh, I think it was with US Air or something like that. And he was way up the seniority list. He had, he had like 1200 people or so behind him. And then he's like, Oh, I'll never get furloughed. I'm so high up on the seniority list. Well, he did. He got furloughed. Uh, so you can never say never. You never know what's going to happen. So always prepare, you know, don't, it, again, you can't just, you know, go into this thinking, I want to make money right away. And I'm sure, Tom, you've, you've met a lot of those same people, just like I have as when I was working for, as a furlough rep. You've met people that, Got, they got into the industry. When it got tough, they got out, and then they got back in again. I'm sure you yeah. have a couple of stories oh, yeah. there. But, uh, you know, the, I, I, the one thing, though, and, and Tom, you can agree or disagree with this, is that 
if you're doing anything in your career, you really should plan for the worst, of course, just like we do flying, and hope for the best. But, but again, just make sure you have a plan so when there is a downturn, you're not going to get hurt uh, and yeah, during that I, downturn. I think that's good advice. It's like reserve fuel, right? right. I mean, you, you always carry a little bit of extra gas, uh, and if the weather's bad or it looks like the forecast is bad, you carry even extra gas. And I think that's true of this career as well. Right, right. And, and you know, another thing I, I think, Tom, that's important to mention is while there is, a, a say, a downturn or any any time during your career, you really should work on your credentials. Don't you feel that's, that's a good I, idea? I, I agree. I think, you know, you, you just, in this business, you can never learn enough. And, and, and the credentials are, you know, a lot of people argue, well, it's, you know, this degree and this designation, it's just a designation. Well, that depends. If you go through that wanting to learn, you'll walk out the other end having learned. And if you don't, you won't. So yeah, I, I think that's a great way to spend your spare time. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm working on that right now. You know, I'm going out tomorrow, going to work on getting current in a single engine aircraft and I'm learning something new about, uh, GPS and, uh, RNAV arrivals. And there's just so many neat things that you can learn in this career that, and, and other things about pans ops and international operations I'm doing the next day. And it's just fascinating. There's so many different facets of this aviation career that we can go into. And the more we learn, the better pilot we become. Uh, it also helps you when you start looking for a job later on if there is a downturn. And, you know, there's always going to be ups and downs. And, and Tom, you, you, you're, you know, not quite as old as I am, but you've seen a, a few tough times in your life, haven't you? Well, I think this business is cyclical. You know, I, I made it through September 11th and then made it through the 2008. So I would say two downturns in my a uh, relatively short career compared to, you know, a 30 or 40 year run that some people get. But uh, that's true of any industry, isn't it? I mean, you see volatility in, you know, the tech sector and the financial sector and the uh, hospitality sector. I mean, so it's, you know, it's, it's uh, the moves that you make during those good times that will often determine how you come out of the other end of the bad times. Yeah, and sometimes there's there's luck. I mean, there's a little bit of Certainly. luck here, and, and that <laughs> uh, it, it happened to me. I will say that I changed careers. I saw that, you know, I was very heavily in, invested in the dot com industry, and and back in in the ninety nine, I got out of all my dot coms, and I actually sold a business, and uh, and that was a good time to do it because all of a sudden, boom, it crashed. And I'm not taking any credit for that because. That was just dumb luck. You know, it was like, I, sure. I got out because I wanted to and I wanted to get into aviation. Uh, I, you know, I saw a little bit of a downturn, yeah, coming, but I didn't expect it to be that bad, just like everybody else didn't expect it to be that bad. And it's true of every, every industry that you're in. So if you're going into an, another industry because of the fact that we have a downturn in this industry, being airlines or aviation, well, you know what? They have, they have downturns also. So you have to be really careful what you get into. Uh, and, and know that every, like you said, Everything has a cycle, and every business is cyclic. And, and, you know, one thing to come back to that credential, you know, a lot of times I think we might get tied up and confused in the fact that we've got to go out and get some sort of certificate, some sort of degree, and, and sometimes you do. Uh, but, you know, don't, dis, uh, don't disregard the value in simply kind of your own, what I would call your own uni university schedule. I mean, you think about it, if you read a book a quarter, uh, you know, within a relatively short period of time, you've, you've mimicked or mirrored a degree in a certain subject. And, and so... While you may not come out of the other end of that with a credential, you'll certainly come out of that with a lot of useful knowledge that could help you through the bad times. 
Oh, sure. And and I think any knowledge period is good for you, it, even if it's a non nothing that's credentialed. If it's something that you're reading, right. a course online, I, I think it's extremely important. Of course, I'm a, a big fan of all these online courses. There's so many cool things out there uh, that you can learn. I think it's a great point, Tom. But, you know, one of the things that's really tough, and and I want to leave with this point, is it's hard to stay hungry sometimes. You know, even during this current job market where it's very easy to get a job in aviation because there's a shortage of flight instructors and there's a shortage of, of regional airline pilots. But but how do you keep yourself hungry? What you need to do is you, I, one of the things you need to do is, is listen to those people who've been through downturns and listen to their descriptions of the times of the wonderful and good times. There are some people out there I know that have never had a hiccup in their career. I'm not one of them. You know, September 11th happened, and I was gone for about two years from my the job that I was flying. Uh, so, yeah, it, it can happen, but it's hard to stay hungry because of the fact that you might be younger and you've never seen a downturn in an industry, or maybe you're not younger and you've been in another industry where you've always made money. So so make sure you keep your eye on the prize. And, and this is a time, you know, you, you got to make – Hey, when the sun shines, as they say, and this is the time to do that because when when it really the bad bad season comes, it's it's time to to hunker down and keep continually moving forward and building your hours. And and this is another point too is that if say you stopped right now and you didn't start moving in forward in your career, you're still going to be at the same spot when you start again five years, five months, ten years from now. So. Don't think taking a break from it now because you, you if it's a, if there was a downturn, taking a break during a downturn is a good thing because when an upturn comes again, that you'll have the credentials and you'll be one of the first people to get hired because they're going to be wondering, you know, what were you doing for all those years? Uh, so it's it's really it's it's tough to stay hungry. I know that I, it's it's tough to to be for me to say that I'm not a naysayer by any means, but you should always 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 be prepared for the worst. I'll give you a good example. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine was flying in an airplane, uh, and uh, he was about, oh, maybe a 1,000 feet off the ground during an approach, single engine, and the engine quit. And what's interesting is he was concentrating on the approach until that happened. And, of course, he said uh, he went through all his procedures. He landed, and all field landing, and it was successful, and he walked away. And one of the things he said to me, he says, because I prepared for the worst, I was ready for that to happen. But if I hadn't been prepared and hadn't had that training, I'm not sure I would have been ready. And we can yeah. use that same uh, that same example like this person uh, in this situation had for our careers. So It's like uh, I think it was Sully, uh, you know, the the miracle on the huts and he said for 30 years I filled up this bank account of uh, techniques and strategies and knowledge in aviation. And on that one day, I made a major withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is a major withdrawal. That's for sure. It's, uh, it's interesting. I don't, I don't think that uh, there's enough people out there right now saying, Hey guys, listen, you, you need to, you need to think this is not always going to be like this. And I yeah. see people making career decisions that aren't probably the best for them. Uh, because of that, it's like, well, you know, We'll never have a downturn. We'll never have a furlough. You know, I, <laughs> um, you know, I worked as a as a union rep, and the way our contract was signed and put forth, well, gosh, we were thinking, gosh, there'll probably never be another furlough. And we had uh, we had the the largest percentage of pilots furloughed out of any of the, the regional airlines yeah. when I was there. So, so you never know what's going to happen. 
So I'll never be- forget uh, was commuting on Northwest, right when Northwest was still around. I was I was really new, really green in the uh, regional airline, and the, I went up to the captain and asked for the jump seat, and uh, you know he, he signs everything, whatever, and he says, you know. I only want to give you one piece of advice. He says, I've got four different uniforms hanging up in my closet. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Now, funny thing is, is I have a couple of different uniforms in my closet now, too. And that's, it's true. All of what you're saying is when, where the rubber meets the road is indeed reality. Yeah. Gosh, you know, it's too funny because I have four uniforms in my closet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I never really thought about it that much. And I was just, I, I had three uniforms and never changed my job. Yeah, You know, it's all good, though, because I tell you, I, I look at my uniforms and I go, and I'm using that now as a figure of speech, but I, I think of the different things that I learned, you know, wearing each of those different uniforms. And, and I think really that's a, a big takeaway about this career is you're, you're probably going to have different jobs, especially as you work your way up through the ladder, depending on whatever your goal is. And, and, and you know, the key there, I think, is to go, what am I taking away? What am I learning as I contribute and add value, you know, to my to my boss or my owner, whoever it is, what am I also taking away with me that makes me better so that when the downtimes come, when the challenging situation comes, whatever it might be, I am prepared. Right, right. That's a great, great point, Tom. It's awesome. So, you know, Tom, I think, I think we've, we've kind of made our point. You know, we, you really, I know things are great right now, but, but we need to, to keep hungry. We need to keep moving forward in our career because it doesn't, you know, when the, it's basically like musical chairs. When the music stops, you're going to be where you are for a while. And you better like it. You know, don't look at everything about a job. Just don't, you know, you take, some people take a job and they say, oh, eh, I don't like this, but I'm only going to be here six months. Well, sometimes six months turns into six years. Um, you know, I, I know when I got hired with the first regional I, I was with, they said eight months for upgrade. And it took me, let's see, it was about uh, four and a half years. So that was a bit of a difference. Not too bad, though. Not too bad. Well, Tom, I, I think, I think we've made our point. We need mm-hmm. to be prepared and stay hungry. But you know what? We have a lot of uh, listener mail that we have to get to. Let's hit it. So let's let's do that. As a matter of fact, one of the first things I want to do, and I, I know we have some voicemail that have come in, uh, one of the first things I want to go to is one of the voicemails. And uh, this is from Evan. This is actually his second part of his voicemail uh, that he sent us. The first part didn't work uh, so well, but he's talking about 135. So so let, let's go ahead to that voicemail, and uh, we'll try to answer his question. Uh, hey, Carl. It's uh, Evan Davis again. Um, I got cut off there on the last message, so I just want to follow up. I did uh, just want just want to say that I appreciate everything that um, that you do, and I enjoy the podcast. And uh, I listen to both Stuff Mike and Aviation Careers podcast. But um, I'm a av geek for sure, and definitely want uh, to hear your thoughts or. Uh, see if maybe you could get a, a guest on um, that has uh, run the gamut uh, with the FAA and, and either created a new Part 135 or purchased um, an existing Part 135 and then took it over. Um, and actually, if uh, you were looking for someone who might be interested in talking more about it, um, I haven't personally spoken with uh, the gentleman with the Beaver but I know how to get in contact with him, and um, I'll probably end up talking to him about it at some point anyway. But I thought it just might be something neat for the podcast. So anyway, thanks a lot, and have a good day. Um, I enjoy your podcast. 
Well, Evan, thanks so much for that uh, voicemail. He was talking about a beaver in the first part of his uh, voicemail, the first uh, one that he recorded. He had a uh, he knew of somebody that had had a 135 operation and had a beaver uh, that was flying. And his biggest question is basically, you know, about buying a 135 or starting a 135. And if we know anybody that's actually done that. And uh, by the way, we really appreciate the, the phone calls and all and the voicemails. We're definitely going to try to get more of those voicemails on here. And if you do leave a voicemail, just let me know if you want me to play it on here or not. Uh, but, uh, Tom, I think I think you have uh, some strong feelings towards, towards actually start, <laughs> starting a, a 135. <laughs> well, in full disclosure, I've never done it and I've never wanted to do it, but, uh, I did stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. No, um, I do know somebody who's gone through this fairly recently within the last three years or so. And, uh, you know, I guess really the question to ask is why, you know, what, what is the goal, right? As with anything you do, what is the goal? Begin with the end of mind, as Stephen Covey says, but make sure that's clear. And I, I can tell you this from, from firsthand discussions with uh, the colleagues I know who have done this, you know, it took twice as much time and it cost four times as much. And, uh, you know, my takeaway is really looking at the risk versus the reward. I mean, there's just so much you cannot control because of compliance, regulation, um, you really got to make sure you have a, a, a firm grasp on why you're doing this, uh, which will trickle down and make you know getting and or buying the certificate much easier. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to take longer and it's going to cost more. Just know that going up front. Yeah, there's there's operators that are doing buying 121 operations. As a matter of fact, I know someone who started up a 121 operation down in Miami, and I'll try to talk to him. That's a whole other ball game. That's scheduled airline. And and that was pretty interesting. That now that takes some serious cash. Uh, it and, does. And it, well, both of them do. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, the the, the airlines called Eastern Airlines, ah. and uh, started this back up again. And as a matter of fact, I got to see uh, one of their seven thirty sevens. You know, with the old light blue and purple stripes on it. Mm. And uh, flying when I was in uh, Havana the other day, I saw uh, one of the Eastern Airlines planes come in. So it was pretty cool to see. Uh, but but I know that process uh, took him and the company years to put together. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's also dependent on your POI. I, I know sometimes an operator goes to a POI that's not local because maybe they specialize in 135 or they, or they don't, you know, or maybe your 121 friend stayed in Miami because they specialize that, whatever it might be. But, you know, now you've got a logistical thing to deal with. You can't just drive over to the office to get a signature. So there's, there's uh, a lot of of, I guess, due diligence and homework that needs to go into that. Sure. And and when Tom mentioned a POI, that's the principal operating inspector, and uh, the that's the person that actually is uh, the representative from the FAA who is going to sign off on the documents is your POI. They have assistance also, if you're big enough, assistant POIs. Uh, we have, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a really good friend of mine in the Tampa FISDO is a POI for a bunch of 135s. I could have him on just to talk about that, that would be but he's on he's on the other side of the fence, so uh, he may be able to give us a little insight. Uh, so I'll I'll ask him. I think he'll I think he'll come on. He he's done a couple talks for me uh, with a safety program, and it's quite interesting to see uh, the people that get involved in 135. A lot of folks that do get involved in 135 are very small operators uh, with some very deep pockets, and uh, they don't necessarily intend to make a lot of money with it. I guess if if you get my drift, I mean they they just want to be able to to offset certain costs and uh, right. they start a one thirty five operation. 
we've actually seen this happen with a couple of companies, uh, and I'm sure it's all over the world, where uh, it's not very popular to own an aircraft. So they'll start a 135 operation and actually lease the aircraft to themselves, basically, starting a whole other company. Uh, but it's kind of interesting how some of them have done that. So it's it, it's interesting. The, the the 135 again, part 135, and we didn't define that. I'm sorry. Is a it's it's on demand air charter t- air taxi. So it's not it's not normally scheduled. Although now, with that said, there is such a thing as scheduled 135 service. And I actually used to work for a scheduled 135 carrier. We changed to a 121 carrier. And that changed things. Um, a lot of the regionals start their lives as 135 carriers, and then they move on into scheduled 121. Uh, you're seeing the most regionals now are all are 121. More restrictive rules. Uh, sometimes, honestly, I don't know a lot about 135. I've looked at the rules. I've 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 actually worked with some people that have done this and. 121 didn't seem that much more complex than 135. I don't know what you think, Tom. I, I think anymore today they, they almost mirror each other with just a very, very few exceptions. Right. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, so, so anyway, so yeah, if you, if you want to become an operator, a 135 operator, uh, you should think about going into some other business that actually makes money. I'm just kidding. You know, if that's something you want to, <laughs> if it's something you really want to do, I mean, I, I say go for it, but just go into it and, and know what your options are. There's, uh, just because there's few people have actually made it in a certain industry doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um, I mean, I, I look at me, I'm doing the scholarships guide and everybody else that's done it has just, you know, stopped because it's such a, it's such a monumental task. And, you know, I would, I don't expect to make as much money as I do flying as an airline pilot, of course. But, you know, we'll just keep moving forward, you know, with what we're doing because it's such a great service to the industry and to people. You know, we make a little bit, but, but not a lot. That's for sure. Uh, but anyway, Tom, I, I think, uh, we, we, we pretty much would love to get somebody on a 135. I'll try to talk to the FA rep that I have. Uh, they usually have to do a lot of, I have to do a lot of work to get an FA rep on the show. Because uh, everything that we talk about, I give them all the questions. They have to get it cleared with the, with you know, with the FAA and their, and their operations and and their uh, you know public affairs officers that kind of thing. So that might take a little bit of doing, but we definitely want to do that. That's for sure. Um, but anyway, that that's that's awesome though. I I think anybody that wants to get into aviation, I think it's cool. Just just go in with your eyes wide open. So on to our next uh, email. It actually was a voicemail. I apologize for some reason our voicemail. Was cut off a little bit on some people. And, and again, it, it's only for three minutes, but we're, we'll see. We might try another system, but for now, it's just three minutes long. But this person writes in and says, Hi there. I attempted to send a voicemail, but was cut off due to a bad cell reception. Sorry about that. Just had a quick question. I'm currently a 23-year-old flight attendant for a major U.S. carrier and was wondering if you knew any flight attendants that have made the transition from cabin to cockpit. Well, gosh, yeah, they, uh, I actually know quite a few. So, so that's a challenge for me is to get somebody else on who's actually gone from being a flight attendant, uh, to a pilot. I know a pilot who was furloughed and went to become a flight attendant while on furlough and then went back to being a pilot. I know I've seen that happen, but there are quite a few, uh, flight attendants that I actually listen to and I talk to that, that this, that they've actually made that transition or in the middle of making that transition, just like yourself. He continues. When I was 18, I started out by working for a regional airline, loading bags, and I moved my way up inside becoming a ticket agent and gate agent. I then made a jump to the main line as a cabin crew. Now, two years in as a flight attendant, I realized I wanted to do more. I started this process by enrolling in college to complete the required four-year degree that most U.S. carriers ask for. 
Um, after he uh, lives not far from a, a large uh, aviation university, about four, a, a great minutes. university, yeah, great university, say. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and after speaking with uh, numerous people, he seemed to to agree it was a great option to to go there. Tom, is that because you went there? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> the um, actually, I, I think we we decided. By the way, we're going to start mentioning schools. That was another thing. I, I'm in the middle of a question, but just to let you know, we are going to start talking about schools more and and our opinions on those. Uh, I have to I have to refrain from my opinions on on major airlines, but I can uh, give you my opinion on on certain regionals and of course schools. Uh, that's just you know because the agreement I have with my company. Uh, but uh, he said again. He, this person continues. He lives about forty five minutes south of Embry Riddle Aeronautical University in Prescott Campus. Uh, there to go, Tom alma mater. There. Uh, after speaking with numerous people, they seem to be a great option. However, without forking over the required uh, almost ninety thousand dollars to pay for their program. I decided to take a back door and work my way up via community college and then find a way to join them later on to complete the required flight training and earn my certificates. Still haven't decided what the best way possible is to do this, but would, without leaving my current position as cabin crew. School isn't the main challenge. It's earning my hours. was curious if you had any insight on this. I'm a new listener, so I apologize if this question has been asked before. Thank you for all your help and time. Fly safe. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this, but that was years ago. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Don't ever feel bad about asking the same question more than once because it's good to it, it's good to repeat. And uh, but but school, like you said, isn't the main challenge. It's earning the hours. Um, I, I will say, depending on who you are, it can actually work work both ways. It could be good that you don't have a lot of time. I've had flight instructors that had limited schedules and they would actually get students to book with them and would never cancel because they knew if they canceled, they wouldn't be able to get in their schedule for another month. So sometimes having a not much time is good. But with that said, obviously it's better to be out there and, and out training and, and getting your flying time in. Uh, but as far as moving on from flight attendant to pilot, I'd say it's easy to go for, and you're at a very, very young age to do that. Tom, have you ever met anybody that went from a flight attendant to pilot? I have. I can remember my career meeting somebody. I don't remember the details, but they did do it. They did pull it off. This was in the airline, the regional airline. I remember flying with them, and it's not an easy deal, you know. And I was thinking as you were reading through that, there's just there's going to be a threshold there where this person will need to go fly. And I don't mean fly in the back. I mean, fly in the front, you know, to get those hours saying earning the hours is the main challenge. And at some point, the schedule of being a cabin attendant will get in the way. So, you know, maybe start thinking about when that when that will be, you know, where is that on the timeline uh, so that you can make the leap when it's right. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's it's tough to do because as a as a flight attendant, you start making more money. It's hard to go back yeah. to making little money. I've had a few flight attendants recently say to me, gosh, I don't think I can do it, um, uh, especially if they're super senior because you're making, yeah. as a flight attendant, more than the first officer is uh, when they yeah. first get hired. So uh, that's something to look at there. And I think back to the famous quote, you know, if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're right. You know, and uh, we both know people. I a old roommate of mine, uh, you know, he – he uh, waited on tables while he flight instructed to make up for that gap. And uh, just a couple years later, he was found himself in the right seat of a regional jet. So it's definitely doable. Right, right. That's for sure. Uh, 
Thanks for the email. Hopefully that uh, that helps you out there. And if you have any other questions, please uh, forward them to us. Moving on to our next question, uh, we have someone here. It's been a, de- a deputy chief sh- uh, sheriff helicopter and ATB multi-engine rated fixed wing pilot with a large sheriff department for 27 years. He's flown 40 different aircraft and has over 16,000 500 hours, 15,500 of which are turbine helicopters. That's unbelievable. That is that's a whole wow. bunch. Yeah. Fixed wing, that's a lot. That's a whole bunch as a, as a helicopter pilot. He continues, I don't have a four-year degree. I had three classes remaining uh, for his, his BS in professional, his Bachelor of Science in Professional Aeronautics. Uh, a few years in overseas combat assignments went by. When I went to complete my degree, I found that my degree requirements changed from three classes to ten classes and a capstone project. Needless to say, frustration set in. And I can see how. I mean, here you are out there serving our, our country. And, and by the way, thank you for your service. I, I think it's it's amazing what folks have done. And, and got, I know that people think, oh, I'm just doing my job. But uh, but uh, I've always you know, been enamored by the people that are out there that have uh, fought for our country and, and keep us safe here in the U.S. And I, I think it's an amazing thing you all do. But continuing, uh, he says, I turned 50 on my last combat tour flying Blackhawks in Iraq. I'm 54 now and want to finish my aviation by flying with a major airline. I'd retire from the sheriff's department. With the retirement pay, initial low airline pay would actually be a pay raise for me. I only have 255 hours of multi-engine, a 125 of which is in jet. Uh, he says, he asks, you know, should I go to Cage Consulting for help selling myself or can uh, you recommend a direction? Uh, selling yourself, you know, obvi- oh, by the way, Cage Consulting is awesome. Uh, I think they're terrific. I mean, we do a lot of the same things, but uh, uh, Bow isn't back in episode 77. Uh, go listen to Cheryl Cage. She is, she truly is cool. And, she's and sharp. Some, oh, she's very sharp. Uh, I've been doing a lot of interview prep recently. As a matter of fact, that's something else we've been adding. Uh, we have uh, right now four different airlines that we do interview prep for and uh so you can actually find out more about that uh, by sending me an email we're coming up with an airline page so i don't want to give away all of them but i will say express jet airlines is one of them and uh, we will probably be having a ups and we have commute air also on board uh, be doing some prep for all those airlines there's one other that we're uh, republic i think was the other one that we're we're going to have a, uh, a interview prep for but uh but anyway if you if you need coaching by the way anybody who needs coaching it's it's uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching just click on the coaching uh, link on the website there uh but yes i would highly recommend uh somebody like a cage consultants uh and and what we do here also is is just helping you move forward uh, with your career as far as preparing yourself and selling yourself both in an interview and in general. What you need to do, though, in your case, is build those hours. Build those uh, fixed-wing hours because uh, I know you have a lot of flight time, a lot of experience, uh, but you really, really need to do that. I will uh, I will say one thing. I know another guy in your same situation, and he was he was actually my roommate uh, while I was in Fort Lauderdale, and he, he actually went and flew air ambulance. And boy, I tell you what, he was he was cranking it out as far as hours. Uh, and so. Carl, isn't uh, a lot of the major airlines? And and I don't know because I've never applied to a major airline. But in your group, I'm sure you know many who have. Isn't there a formula? Uh, in other words, this fifteen thousand five hundred turbine helicopter. I mean, for goodness sakes, the guy knows what he's doing in the air. Uh, right. But but I know they won't give him quote credit for all. Is it typically? I mean, I'm just thinking in there in isn't there here. He, Yes, to answer your question, there is. It, but but with that said, you still have that that multi-engine ATP uh, mm. for to to come. You're battling against, so you Gosh. have to get that. 
you know, so that's, that's another thing you need to do. Although once you're at that point where you have the requirements, boom, you can get in fairly quickly. So, um, but yes, yes, it's, uh, there, there's, there's, there are some that do have that kind of a, uh, uh, formula, but, uh, it's not, you know, there's only a couple that I know of that do that. So, um, Gosh, you know the the multi engine time is really air fixed wing time is really really important. But I will with give that said, uh, some hope though. Uh, gentleman I fly with spent the majority of his career in the Coast Guard uh, rotor wing, mm-hmm. and uh, he's flying a corporate jet with me now. So there is definitely um, you can definitely make the transition. Oh, easily. I mean, there I just flew with a guy who was a fixed wing guy who went and flew helicopters because they had a helicopter in his operation. He was a corporate guy. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot that it's flying is flying. It's just. Uh, you need to to learn a little bit more about uh, you know what your you know what the the operation is in your instance with a with a fixed wing airline flying from point to point gate holes those kind of things that you may not have uh, have to worry about in the helicopters but honestly with your time I personally would hire you uh, but you need to build those those multi engine times so and, and you know the consulting thing it's a good idea I, I, in my last uh, pursuit I used three different consultants and it was worth every penny so oh, yeah. um, it definitely won't uh, it'll be money well spent yes yes most definitely most definitely so hopefully we'll be able, we've been able to steer you in the right direction there we've been pretty busy with doing some coaching so I know cage consulting is, is much bigger than us so I definitely would would highly recommend them wonderful people over there uh, moving on to the next one um and by the way, good luck with your, you know, with what you're doing there. I think you're on the right track and you're going to easily make it. Uh, moving on to our next e- email, uh, starts with, uh, what an incredible service you are to the aviation industry. Well, thanks. Uh, started listening to a, a few days ago and can't stop. I'm a banner tower. So basically your team flies with me all the time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm in a tough spot and understand if you withhold information from your eyes, I actually really appreciate that about you. Uh, he actually, he's, he's trying to figure out, uh, because he's had, and, and I'll just kind of summarize the situation, uh, having, you know, a, a built some hours, had to struggle, went through many years and, and had, you know, funds that ran out, that type of thing. Um, he really is having a kind of a tough time of it and was one that actually wound up, uh, this person basically having his family live in one area and then him living somewhere else, basically out of his car and having gone through an educational process, he has lots of, lots of debt and lots of student loans. And, uh, just to give you, I'll share one thing he said is that he, he has budgeted himself, get this $6 a day. For food, gas, and et cetera, so his kids can eat all they need. Uh, he does say one thing. His wife has been wonderful about this and says she, he's got the best wife in history because uh, she's really been been pulling for him and, and worked with the family through these hardships. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, but his question is this, though, and I'm not, again, like I said, I'm not going to go through all the his uh, background here, but he keeps, his question is, I keep hearing that I need to get an ATP. With 600 hours, should I be focused on that? Do companies pay for that, or is that on my dime? Uh, it depends. Uh, I'm going to talk about the the airline side of things, and then I'll let Tom talk a little bit about the, the, the uh, corporate side. On the airline side lately, you're seeing a lot of the regionals hiring people uh, that have eligibility for their ATP, and they will go through – the certified training program that you need to have for your to sit for your written exam, they will actually take you on, get you through this process, um, and they because they so much need pilots right now, 
they're willing to actually do that, and a lot of them are paying for it now. That's what's really interesting. I just talked to a recruiter a week ago and said they're paying for that without assigning a contract. That's huge. I mean, that's a lot of money that you're going to have to pay for that. So, so you're in a you're in a kind of a good situation here. You're at a point where you're building hours toward that ATP, and with those hours, by the way, the 600 hours, you can get an interview with a regional airline, and they will actually take you on and say, okay, we're going to give you a, a either a conditional offer with within six months you have to finish your hours and get your ATP, or we're going to give you another interview, say, in six months. I mean, I've seen it go a couple different ways, but we're, you're, in our, you're in our pool of pilots that we want, so we're going to keep you on board. Uh, Tom, how about in the, in, the, in the business aviation world, do companies pay for this ATP? I imagine there are some out there, um, but I, you know, I can't really say with certainty yes or no. I, I think it's really situational dependent and maybe even operation dependent. I mean, you can, I can think of maybe, well, I know firsthand of people who flew for owners who, you know, liked that person as a pilot and then it was time for them to move over to the left seat, didn't have an ATP, send them off to get all that and paid for it. Um, and then I've worked for other companies where you need to come in with all that. So it, it's a very dynamic situation and specific really to the person, uh, not so much the person that wants the job, but the person who's funding the whole thing, employing you, uh, and, and dependent on the operation. So um, I, I don't have a clear answer on that one. It's, I've seen both. Right, right. But but what, the one cool thing, he actually wants to know about ways he can further his career. And, uh, you know, he says anything pops up, he's going to focus on that. One of the things I'd like you to focus on is actually moving forward with your multi-engine time and multi-engine turbine, if you can. Uh, and that can be jet or, or just turboprop. Uh, but it's really, really important. Um, he, he does, uh, he did give me an update, by the way, because he gave me this email a while ago about the fact that he's, he actually took a job flying a King Air. Uh, and that's cool. That's some great time that you're getting multi-engine turbine time. Uh, and had asked about salary negotiations. Uh, usually, you know, in negotiating for a salary, especially in the beginning, uh, a lot of times you're told this is what you're going to get. Uh, negotiating a salary, uh, I've always found no matter what I'm doing, whether it's a consultant or whatever, it's if you can negotiate from a, a stance of power, quote unquote, or a stance where you bring them a lot of value and you've proven yourself having a lot of value, that negotiation may not happen right away. You may just say to them, listen, I want, I'm coming in the door. I know the salary is low, but I'll prove to you I'm a, I'm a good employee. And then later on say, hey, listen, you know, is there any chance I could you know, get a raise or I think I add so much value to organization, this is what I do, that type of thing. But most companies will have uh, every year, every six months, uh, a salary review. So uh, negotiating salary, I've done it a whole bunch of times. Uh, it's really uh, a lot of times I just listen, 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 and then I ask them for what I want. And uh, and in those negotiations, uh, you have to realize what kind of position you are negotiating from, uh, and don't negotiate yourself out of a job. That's for sure, yeah. especially and, especially and, in the beginning. And I don't mean to be the rain cloud here, but get it in writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times you know if. Carl, you know people, I know people who, oh yeah, you know, in a year it'll be a, you know, a 5% raise and if you meet this goal it'll be a 10% raise and that wasn't in writing and a year goes by and two years goes by and nothing happens and uh, you, you gotta, I know it's uncomfortable, those conversations sometimes seem weird, but uh, for your own sake and sanity, get it in writing. Right, right. Um, but yes, you, you definitely, you know, it's interesting. Most people have a contract, an employment contract, and it's a specific dollar amount. 
Uh, it, it just it can be that simple. It's like, hey, this is this is how much we're going to get, and this is uh, what we're going to do moving forward. So yeah, I would definitely. That's a great advice, Tom. Great advice. Yeah, he's got to get out there and fly, though, for sure. Uh, it sounds like he is. Sounds like he's doing that. And and please send send us an update on uh, on what you're doing, so we can share with other people, especially your successes. Uh, but sounds like you got a really cool job there, flying a King Air. So uh, I I love the King Air. I think it's such a neat airplane. Uh, I wish I could own one, you know, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun to fly, and it's uh, got some great engines on there. We'll have to have the King Air versus Pilatus debate one day, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with, with the beach. I'm sorry to all my Pilatus friends. I have a lot of Pilatus friends out there flying. And and believe me, I love the Pilatus. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could be convinced, you know, so – to my Pilatus buddies, try to convince me otherwise. But we'll we'll get into that discussion probably on the Stuck Mike Avcast that was there discussed go, yeah. before because that's more of a about flying specific airplanes. And by the way, the person that mentioned the Stuck Mike Avcast before, uh, a lot of folks don't know this. I guess a couple of people have asked me what Stuck Mike Avcast is, and and it, it's just an, a general aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. It's truly. Uh, about our passion for aviation and and we always try to bring bring a teaching you know point across in each of the episodes uh, we have some really cool interviews but it's more focused on the the fun part of flying and it's it's not careers hardly at all although we do have some some career flight instructors and all on there but it's a lot of fun tom wachowski also joins us a lot of times on the show and and has a lot of really cool input whole different tone than this yeah uh, fun show it's a it is a lot of fun and uh, so if you get a chance go check it out it's uh, it's in the sidebar um also uh next voicemail we got was uh someone asking about switching jobs uh, right after completing training be careful about that uh if you do complete training and you have a contract and you switch jobs it's uh, it's not going to sometimes look so good. You might want to make sure you, you read the fine print, just like Tom said, get it in writing. And if you sign something, uh, you're obligated. Uh, but with that said, uh, you can switch, switch jobs after completing training. It's happening. Uh, I, I will say we've uh, – I spoke with a recruiter, gosh, again, a few weeks ago, and the recruiter said, you know, we, we had a, a person take their, their ID badge and throw it under the door and walk away from the job. That's that's not the way to do it. Um, if you are going to change jobs, you need to say to them, hey, listen, this is why I'm doing it. We have people do that at where I am right now. They're like, hey, listen, you know, I, I like your, your airline and all, but, you know, my, my home is next to this airport and there's an airline there. And I could drive 15 minutes to work as opposed to flying six hours. Uh, so, so you, you just explain it to them, you know, why you're switching. So it's really, really important there. I get that, that, uh, question quite often, actually. But, uh, so be really, really careful about switching jobs after training. Any more do you want to add to that, Tom? No, no, I think you covered it. Okay. Um, next one we're moving on to here is another email. And by the way, if you got emails, keep bringing them in. I know we try to get these done. I'm only doing this every other week. We could do every week. We could do emails. Uh, I'm going to try to maybe finagle my my schedule that I can do more of these. But uh, for now, it's just every other week. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, so it starts with Carl. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your podcast. Thanks you for not doing a half-hearted job and for the thorough interviews. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I, I tell you, it's really a, a, an effort of many different people like Tom and Eric Crump that come on here and help me with this because I could never do this by myself. So uh, they do just a bang-up job. So it's And there's a whole bunch of other people behind the scenes like, like Russ and Paul and, and Candace and all sorts of people that you don't, you don't see that actually do work on this. Uh, so it's not just me. It's a whole bunch of folks. Uh, he continues, I'm 17 years old and have wanted to fly for as long as I can remember. 
I asked for a flight for my third birthday. <laughs> Hopefully I will have my private pilot certificate by the end of the summer. To feel fulfilled in life, I want to be a commercial pilot. My question, what is the chance that I will have a successful flying career with a personal conviction of not flying on Sunday? I'm a hard worker and absolutely love flying. The major airlines are not really what I want to do, but have more of a pull for the regionals and corporate flying. Any suggestions or advice to solve this question would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your time and have an awesome day. Well, hey, thanks so much. Uh, as far as uh, not flying on Sundays, I uh, I was one of those people that didn't like didn't want to fly on Monday and Tuesdays, and I did that. Uh, but I was working for myself basically as a as a flight instructor, although I was employed by a, a large flight school. I said to them, listen, I'm not coming in on Monday and Tuesdays, and uh, you know I want that time off. So if there's a specific day you want off. Uh, whether it's due to a religion or just you want to want those personal days off, that's that's it. You need to you need to put your foot down. With that said, uh, airline flying, corporate flying, there is no such thing as a holiday, and there's no such thing as a weekend. Every day can be a flying day, and it's kind of like with the restaurant business. Um, although I know restaurants that are closed on specific days, it's a little bit tougher to do, but it can happen. It can happen. And you have to really look for that specific situation and explain to your employer, listen, this is, this is what I do and I don't, I don't fly on these days. Uh, I know that the corporate jobs I know of here in town, the, you're looking at Sunday night and Monday morning. A lot of these people do a lot of flying. They come home on Sunday night or they come home on Monday morning. And, uh, that might be a little bit tough to, to work out. Um, but I do know a gentleman who he has to take, and his, his is Saturday. He takes every Saturday off. And he works for 135, uh, and also as a part 91, in other words, a private jet. And they work with him. They say, okay, you don't have to work Saturdays. Uh, Tom, have you ever seen anything like that? Or have you ever seen an employee that's willing to bend like that? No, I, I, I can't say that I have. Uh, I know there's a gentleman where, where I fly now who, who really makes a large effort to have Sundays and pulls it off most of the time. Um, but I think, you know, one thing in talking with him that he's done over time is just reframe uh, some of the reasons he's needed Sunday off and he's gone back in his life and readjusted things to kind of still meet that personal commitment without having to, you know, miss every single Sunday because it's just, boy, it's tough. It's tough to miss every single one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, but with that said, it's like anything else in life. They're out there. You have to keep looking. They are. You're in a, you know, in a, in yeah. a specific situation. So, uh, it, it's, it's somewhat doable. Uh, but it, it's going to be tough. This is a different kind of career than anything else. And, and if he's out, uh, in Centennial, there's a enormous amount of traffic out there in terms of job possibilities. So, uh, at least he's in a big metropolitan area where, you know, there's more options. Yes. Yes. That's for sure. So keep looking if you, and, and please keep us up updated on that and uh, uh but keep going forward with the thing that you really really want to do cuz I know it can happen um I in other industries I've worked in it's it's been easy to do that uh but uh, this is different the you know the flying industries are, are quite a bit different uh you know I, I liken it to being a a doctor uh that type of thing it it can uh, be a little bit tougher to take certain days off um but moving on uh thanks again for that question moving on to the next question uh, says, hey, Carl, I've been following your podcast, and I must say you do an excellent information on aviation career options there. Kudos to you. Well, thanks so much. Again, it's a whole bunch of people that put it together. I just uh, turned the lights on. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> this might be a long read, but please, I would cherish your opinion, whether long or short. I'm not going to go into all the specifics he has because there's some personal information 
that he um, that he relays, and I'm not going to go into that there, but but I will summarize for you. Uh, he says, I've been considering a lot of things in relation to whether to pursue my lifelong dream of becoming a professional airline pilot. I conducted a lot of research, and even back when I was in high school, so I, I'm well aware of the kind of waters I will have to wade through if I decide to go through the, with this. I have a couple of questions I would like to ask you because you've crossed the road at which I stand now and are a long way off into your career making confident strides. Number one, do you think going through all the difficulties and, and hassle to become an airline pilot is worth it? Um, you know, given the huge financial investment involved and moreover finishing up to struggle for entry level job, which might cost likely would pay less than every month in the investment put into the dividend, uh, put in divided by 12 calendar months. Well, I understand that. So in other words, it's a low pay. Um, he's currently he's 20 years old and, you know, to answer your question first, before I get into certain specifics about your situation, I, I think it was worth the hassle because I really like it and I enjoy what I'm doing now. I sometimes pinch myself. I am doing what I'm doing. I, as a matter of fact, I'm one of those people that got into something that it came out better than what I thought it was going to be. So it really, the job I have now, I like more than I thought I would, which is terrific. Uh, you know, it was, it was better than I imagined it, uh, which is cool. Uh, but yes, so it's worth the hassles. I mean, I put a lot of years in, uh, and a lot of down years uh, and it was a lot of struggles. But Tom's also done that. Tom, you, you've, you've struggled through it. I mean, uh, he's, he decided to go the other route of becoming, you know, a private, uh, private pilot or excuse me, a, uh, a, a jet, uh, you know, corporate jet type of person. But, uh, so he, he felt that, yeah, I think that, I think, Tom, what do you think? Was that, was it worth it? Oh, so worth it. <laughs> so worth it. Um, you know, I, I keep flashing back to that scene in National Lampoon's Vacation where, Clark says, you know, Chevy Chase is nothing worthwhile is easy, Ellen. You know, (laughs) it's true. Uh, You know, is it worth it? You got to ask yourself that, you know, uh, I mean, do I want to go to the gym in the morning and, you know, work and sweat and and all? No. Is it worth it? Yes. I feel amazing afterwards. So, you know, this career, I think that's a, I think he's asking the exact correct question. Will it be worth it? But, but only he's going to have the answer to that. That's for sure. And, and, you know, you're, he's young. He's 20 years old. And, uh, and I think it's cool that he has a really detailed plan. Uh, one of the things he talks about, though, in, in his whole plan is the fact that he's going off to another career and a career in which it'll make him quite a bit of money. And he feels that, uh, you know, by the time he gets out, he'll be 23 and, uh, you know, he'll be able to secure, you know, financially secure and be able to start his training at 28 years old. Now, the only downside to that uh, is the fact that you really may, you know, you're giving up some years of seniority if you're going to go the airline route. Um, you know, go back to the episode, Don't Make the $2 Million Mistake that I, I did a while <laughs> back and just calculate how much money you, you might lose over time. Uh, again, I wish someone had told me about not just the pay but also – the benefits and the retirement benefits are pretty darn amazing. Uh, what you come out with at the end. Uh, so you really need to look at, you know, how many years you're going to, you're going to make that top pay later on. Uh, the hassles, the hassles include things like getting your medical. As you get older, that becomes really important. Uh, and, you know, at 28, you're not that old, but as you get to my age, 
you have to think about being on disability uh, because when you do get to my age, you can't do things when you're younger and things break. And when, say, you break an ankle, uh, you have some issue with a blood clot or whatever, you're going to be out of work for a long time. And the benefits are, are pretty good as far as disability benefits in an airline just because your, your salaries are much higher. So uh, there's a couple couple things to think about there. Um, but he's he's also looking at the fact that he'll be able to – and this is really cool. He actually spells out – I'll give you that number. He spells out that he'll have – uh, about $150,000 or excuse me, he's going to have en- enough to, to pay for say $150,000 at uh, training, but he doesn't want to do that. And he's been looking all over the world. He's actually uh, been looking in the U.S. and, and Europe. In the U.S., that $150,000 of training over in Europe would only cost him about $70,000. Isn't that amazing? It is. It, it's so much less expensive, and we say it's expensive, and, and, and it is. Yeah. Don't get me it's wrong. It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I talk to my friends in Australia, and I, that's the one thing that I loved about this podcast is I, I've, I've gotten to be friends with a lot of people in Australia, and they tell me, gosh, you know, if you think it's expensive there, just just come down here. So, again, you're right, Tom. It truly is <laughs> it is relative there. But, uh, yeah, he's he's actually – it's interesting because he's looking all over the place, and the reason he's doing that is he's actually from Ghana in Africa and uh, he's sounds like you know very very sharp young man here and I think you know he's got his head on straight but uh, but he has another question again we're not going to go into specifics of his training and what he's about to do uh, his his question is the second question is which training regime do you think I should do for as a career changer and wanting to boost my way into aviation industry taking into consideration my age time to complete training work experience and which option would improve my chances to get a job? Uh, his budget, again, like he said, is about 150000 Now, with this said, he actually, you know, we're looking at inflation. You know, when I w- went and got my private, it was about, let's see, three, it's about a third of what it is now. And so that was, I know it was a while ago, but you can see where I'm going with this. It's, it's probably not going to go down in price. I know, you know, fuel yeah. prices are down. Uh, but I, I can see the training not going down in its costs. So so be careful how long you put it off. But with that said, it looks like he has a, a really good plan. Uh, I wish there was a way you could actually do some training while you're working on your other job. That would be the only other thing that I would I would uh, try to suggest, although it sounds like the career that he's looking at, other, you know, I'm not going to share, he actually, it might be tough for him to do that. So, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of advice would you give this, this young man, Tom? He's got everything very scripted out, very planned out. Uh, and that's excellent. I, I think I would just wager to be flexible with that plan because if you come across, you know, I, I, I think of times when people, you know, they go, I'm going to the, I'll use myself as an example. I'm going to be an airline pilot. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something hits you in the face, and it just—that's you, you, what you're supposed to do. I didn't plan, you know, you don't plan for that, but it's you just feels right. It is right. It gets you up in the morning. It you know lights a fire under you. So, be very careful about just you know saying this is my plan. This is my timeline. I will spend this much now, and I will do this then because you don't know what might hit you from left field in a good way. Uh, so it's great that you have a plan, but hey. You know, Carl, you and I have flight plans that, you know, get prepared and that we put together for each flight and we always deviate from them, oh, right? Yeah. So, oh, you know, yeah. same thing here. 
Yeah, it it never goes as planned, which is a good thing because sometimes you get shortcuts. But with that said, it, <laughs> it, it it never it that's just the way life is. I mean, yeah. it's like the perfect flight. It's it's never the perfect flight. Uh, you know, you always tr- strive for that, but it doesn't doesn't always happen. Yeah, but but get flying. I mean, the sooner I, I think, the yes. sooner he gets in a cockpit, the better. I mean, this game, this you like it or not, this is a uh, what's the right word? It's it's a game of time. Yes, and the, the more time you can spend in that cockpit, the less time it'll take you to get to the dream, whatever that is for you. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, so I, I think that's good advice. Get there as quick as you can. I understand there's a money issue. Uh, I did that. I worked as uh, in another industry. I was a computer consultant. I, and I also owned a business and uh, in another different industry. And it really was cool to be able to pay cash for a lot of this stuff. I did have to borrow some money along the way so that I wouldn't interrupt my training and then have to pay that off as I went. So I did go that route. Now, what that did to me, though, is it actually slowed my process to the majors. Um, so regrets, no. I don't have any regrets other than I look back at uh, if I had started just 10 years earlier when I had initially de- decided I wanted to become an airline pilot, uh, I'd be, I would have made a lot more money. Uh, just, just looking at, at the different, you know, just looking at retirement, uh, and looking at the numbers. You know, it's, it's a good one to two million dollars more in my retirement that I would have. Uh, so that's a, a significant amount of money, uh, for anybody. So just, just think about that. Uh, think about, you know, what you're doing by, by putting off moving forward in your career there. Maybe the whys behind your decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I don't have any regrets. It's just you have to you have to look right. at the the numbers and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I did. You know, my other career was really lucrative, so I can't complain. Um, but thanks again for the question. I hope that helps you out. Uh, if you want a little more granularity, you know, definitely send us an email. I have, uh, I can answer you in an email. There's certain things, by the way, if you do write in, um, like you said, and and some people say, you know, please use this uh, email or not. If you don't say you want the email read with your name. I'm going to get rid of a lot of the personal information. Uh, so just, just be, you know, be careful what you say, you know, so I, I, or I'll be careful for you, you know, and I'm not going to mention specific things that are out there. Um, I got another email, which is kind of interesting. And I, I not, I don't think this person wants me to, to, to share much about, uh, about what he has to say. Uh, as far as where he's working, that type of thing. But there, there's a couple of things that he he brought to the forefront uh, about uh, uh, what's been going on in the industry. Uh, he actually is working at a flight school, and uh, he he said he, he wants to tell me a little bit about it and and what's been happening at this flight school. Uh, so he says that uh, he's been to a few different companies uh, looking to he's he's teaching. Okay, he's looking to complete all his category add-ons. And by and large, finds that even in GA, there's that same passion and expertise so unique to aviation. However, as in any organization, there are places where shortcuts are made. I recently was doing some training with a school where I found that their maintenance logs available to pilots always had inspections out of date. The service reps were usually irritated that I asked about this, and the in-house mechanic will wave it off and say, he forgot to update the numbers, and then I would just see him change the numbers on his board. Well, this really concerned me. I got it. A 50-hour is just spark plugs and loop, but every day that I check an aircraft and something is outside the parameters of airworthiness or pre-flight in accordance with the POH, it concerns me. 
A strut is 1.25 inches below POH standards. The stall warning horn hasn't been checked in 10 flight, uh, flights and hasn't, doesn't work. Some lights don't work. Previous maintenance deficiencies have not been signed off. I'm told, don't worry, it'll fly. Okay. Uh, so he's, it's, well, I'll go on to the answer that I have. He says, some of the veterans that work there that were doing something similar to what I was doing told me, hey man, general aviation is a whole different world. You will get used to it. I could tell you that they were browbeating into sliding on the professional standards they were given in the military. Some of the military guys who come over to that company are treated as though they are being uptight and personal for so strictly adhering to FAR and published manufacturer information. I was happy to tell my VA friends that, no, this is not because I was military jerk and that I adhere to FAA standards. I was told the service rep for the school I would not fly their plane as pilot in command and have turned down important flights because of it. It's because I've been inspired to do the right thing because I look for leadership and mentorship from industry experts. Jason Shepard at M0A, Captain Jeff, uh, Airline Pilot Guy slash Catholic Pilot Podcast, Eric Crump from Polk State, Tom Wachowski, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, and probably foremost, Carl Valerian, others also. In the years I have enjoyed listening to these podcasts and reading these blogs, I have listened to what success and right looks like. And have made the choice to follow your example. I want you to know that a big part of the inspiration you are putting out in your podcast and blog is ethics, doing the right thing, stewarding on, stewarding on our profession, being an expert and a professional. Just wanted to applaud you for your work. I tell you, it is paying major dividends on this end. I find I'm typically overprepared. If you end up using or reading any part of this, let me send you one message to your listeners, etc. You keep listening to this podcast and follow the example of these hosts, and you will knock it out of the park. <laughs> well, gosh, thanks so much. I appreciate that. And that is a testament to, to a lot of the folks that are here in, in, included in this. And, and one underlying thing that you know I always tell everybody that's really important is integrity. It's, it's the one thing you always have. And it's the, it's, it's what, in integrity, it's like what you do when no one else is looking. It's, it's what your core beliefs and his core beliefs are such that he's not going to skimp on maintenance. And remember this, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it they might be browbeating or, or whatever, but it, it might be safe to fly, but it's your license when you're flying. Remember that. It's your license and you're going to be the one violated if something happens. I've worked with a flight school where we had, Almost every instructor get a, a notice of investigation from the FAA because of the fact that the owners were saying, hey, just go ahead and fly. It's fine. I have lost tons of flights because I wasn't willing to take an airplane that I didn't think was airworthy. And airworthiness is not just the fact it can fly, but also the paperwork is done. Job's not done till the paperwork's done. You know what? We don't put up with that at the airlines. I mean, if there's something wrong, it's not going. And, and it's going to have to get fixed. You know, don't do that. Find a school. And it sounds like you have been, uh, flying with a school that, that, uh, really is, is something that's really a, a good place to be. And I, I do know about that school. And I think, I think it's really, really a cool place to, to look at. Tom, I, I, and I have to say, I appreciate what Tom has done here because he also has brought that, that integrity to this podcast. And everybody that we work with here has that. You know, they aren't willing to, to forego any of their beliefs. And they are actually great examples of what to do. So I'd have to agree. It's not don't just listen to me. Listen to the other people on this podcast, right, Tom? I I agree. And you know I think it's really it's a responsibility that we all have. You know, it, yeah, we do the right thing, all of us, because it's the right thing to do. But 
you know, in the airlines, people are trusting you to get them from A to B safely. In charter, same thing. You know, uh, in, in private uh, management, the owner is trusting you with all these things. We all have this fiduciary responsibility. So, you know, I, you know, I think a big key to that, Carl, is getting into business with the right people, right? I mean, why do so many people want to go work for airline A and not airline B? Is because they know airline A's got the right people running the show, or the right charter company, or the right whatever you know, flight in- the uh, flight instruction company, the banner towing company, whatever. When you're not in business with the right people, you get these kinds of headaches that plague our industry still today. So uh, kudos to him for standing his ground and trying to make the industry better. Yes, yes, that's for sure. And hats off to him, and hats off to all of you that that do that. And uh, and you know, this was written on on uh, September 11th, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, th- this email that he attached, and which was a very important, you know, for everybody in, in America and uh, the attacks on on the U.S. To, and I think we all came together as a country, and it's something to reflect on that, you know, we we all need to look at our our own selves and our integrity because it seemed like that day we all we all had that, you know, we all looked back and said, you know, the next day we we said, you know, we all are here and we're all helping each other, and it's important that we do the right thing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into much more than that, but I think it is. It's always important to do the right thing, and, and it's part of your core beliefs. Whatever it is you do is part of your core beliefs, and. And you have to realize that. Um, you know, it's interesting. This person that, that we're talking about, he's really passionate about aviation, as you can tell. And uh, super nice guy. Um, I also wanted to, I, I'm not using his name, but he um, he talks about something else. I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, but he uh, he wanted to tell me about some other important things that are happening. He actually had, was flying in uh, Georgetown, Texas. Uh, Georgetown, Texas is uh, KGTU. It's just north of Austin. And uh, he noticed a business card on the board that had a little young man in classic golden era flight suit holding a toy airplane aloft and gazing up to the sky. Uh, it was actually one of my old cards uh, from uh, Aviation Career's podcast. And he asked me if I'd made my way down to Georgetown and seen one of the last Marine Corps B-25s. Uh, I have. It's actually Devil Dog. I was part of the Devil Dog Squadron. I've actually volunteered with two squadrons. There are two, two B-25s. One's briefing time, and the other one is uh, Devil Dog. And it is one of the last Marine Corps uh, uh, PBJ models, and it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, he did say, he says, if I haven't been there, then someone's spreading my cards around. <laughs> but no, no, that was me. Uh, and there's uh, some wonderful folks there. Uh, on a fun note, you, you really need to go check out the commemorative Air Force and the Devil Dose Squadron because they fly that thing over 70 hours a year. They were one of the planes that flew over uh, Washington, D.C. this year. And uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, what they've what they've done with that airplane and uh, just a bang up job. So and, and just a, a great school there at Georgetown, uh, up north of Austin. One of the reasons I go there so much, by the way, is I have relatives there in Georgetown. Uh, my uh, my brother in law and the children they're they're all there, and I love that little place. Some awesome awesome. Uh, Beth Jenkins is the uh, lady who's uh, in charge of the flight school there and does a real bang up job on that. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Something fun. You know, we don't always talk about careers. We got we got to kind of mix it up a little bit here. Um, you know what, Tom? We have one more question. Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Yeah, we we uh, I know we're going to run a little long, so hang in there with us, folks. We're we're not too too far done here. So, uh, the next question, actually, let me see here, comes from says, "Good morning. I'm a new listener and not yet caught up on all the podcast episodes, so you may have addressed this. I'm an active duty Army officer, non aviation, retiring four years, and have plans to get my foot in the door with an aviation career." 
non-flying. My plan is, is to attend a flight dispatcher course, SFA approved, and begin there. But is that enough? All I have concerning all I have concerning aviation is my private pilot license. Working on it now. So I've come across a few online aviation graduate degree programs, most of which just won't entertain me if I don't already have an undergraduate degree. I did find one that encouraged me to do graduate work in aviation safety as opposed to aviation management. But is it worth to get a graduate degree? Is it worth it to get the graduate degree? Why won't my leadership and management skills from being an Army officer help me out? I'm not sure I want to spend the money and time studying every night after an already demanding job I'm currently involved with. Well, dispatcher's office knows my potential to lead and manage as time evolves, and therefore, naturally, I'll move up the chain of command and responsibility. And any insight into this you have will be helpful. Thank you. You know, one thing I will say, I've done, uh, you know, in my past career, I had a consulting firm. Uh, I will say if you had a degree, your your actual, the numbers were higher. In other words, you would get a higher bill rate. Uh, the people that were getting their master's degree because they had their master's degree, would a lot of times get a bump in pay. So is, do I think it's worth it? Yeah, but in your situation as far as – I would concentrate on on getting that job as a dispatcher first and then think about having maybe even the company pay for it. Some of these companies will pay for your master's. So so that's another option. You know, Always go for the experience in the career field that you want to get into. And uh, but, but with that said, if you got all the time and the money, of course, get, get the master's done. doesn't sound like that's, that's the case in, in, your, uh, in your situation here. Uh, so degrees, all degrees help. They help you later on. Yes, they'll see that you, you as an Army officer, there is leadership. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, and they'll look at that. But it's always better to have more degrees uh, than less degrees. I think it's it's just that's just the way it is. I mean, I yeah. I when I was hiring people, I I hired MBAs and I hired you know folks that had law degrees, and uh, you know that and they usually got higher rates. I mean, I, how about you, Tom? What do you think of that? No, I I agree, and you know, agree or disagree, that is the world we live in today. Is that you, really the degree anymore is a ticket to uh, play the game? And I think it is a mistake to rely on – while I applaud your leadership management in the Army, I think it is a mistake to rely on that as your key differentiator in getting noticed and in landing the job because that first filter is going to be the degree. Uh, so is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to be worth it? If that's what you want, absolutely. I think that there's a time to take a serious look at finishing that degree and then – uh, boosting its uh, validity, for lack of a better word, with your leadership and management experience in the Army. But th- that degree is going to really be the ticket to play the game, I think. You know, I, I'd have to agree with that, uh, but it, it's unfortunate this is the world we live in because yeah. there's so many good pilots out there that don't have degrees. There are. Yeah. They're outstanding. I mean, I, I flew with a guy the other day. He has an associate's degree, and he's a, he's a captain in a major airline. Yeah. Uh, but he, he got there because he got 20,000 hours. And he got hired. You know, the problem so. is, our our we as as humans, uh, and maybe I'll be a little bit philosophical here, or too philosophical. But I think we as a group are bad at recognizing talent, and so we rely on things like degrees, and we rely on things like you know nine thousand hours. Uh, you know, meanwhile, the guy hasn't run a checklist in the last fifty flights. You know. 
we're not good at recognizing talent. So we rely on these things that are supposed to say, hey, this person's good. This person's qualified. This person's safe. And that's not always the case, but it's the world we live in, unfortunately. Sure. And and, and I liken it to getting a, a license. Just because you have your ATP doesn't mean you're a good pilot. Right. Uh, right. You've, you've actually made it to that point and you've, you've met these certain standards. Uh, but with that degree and with his background, I think it would be, you know, a really good combination. Uh, but again, move forward in your career and possibly add that degree later. Uh, and, uh, but it's something, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth to have a master's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's worth sitting down with a calendar for sure, you know, yes. plotting it out and saying, Hey, if I do the degree, here's the road. If I don't do the degree and I just get in it, here's the road and, and just see what they look like, you know, and, and what do those days look like where, you know, I know he's got a demanding job now, so it's hard to go get the degree, but I mean, you think it'll be any less demanding when you're sitting in a dispatcher seat and you're responsible for four airliners, two of them are crossing the Atlantic, the other two are crossing the Pacific and one's got a medical emergency. You know, it, there's never a good time, you know, right. so. Right. Yeah, good point, Tom. I, I think that, you know, when we talk about degrees, yeah, it's very it's very important to have it because it, it moves your, your salary up also. Uh, so, uh, but, but again, with that said, make sure you have the basic skills for what it is you want to do. Uh, I'll give you a good example. If you want to be an airline pilot and you have a PhD in philosophy and you have zero hours flying, you're not going to get a job as an airline pilot. All right. Make sure you get the skills for the job that you that's want, a good point. and and then move forward. Uh, so I think that's super duper important. Yeah. Um, anyway, Tom, I, gosh, that was our last question. Can you believe we Those made were good? It I have You've a couple got more great voicemails. listeners, Carl. Oh, great listeners. They keep me on my toes, and uh, <laughs> you know, some very challenging questions. If we can't answer them, of course, we forward them on to the people that know. We have a lot of good people that we've brought on here. Uh, Tom Wachowski being one of them. He's been a, a great advocate for aviation careers, and uh, really knows a lot about aviation and uh the private jet world too as a matter of fact he has a podcast a private jet podcast i really suggest you go out there and and listen to that if you want to learn about careers on that side plus he has some really cool interviews uh we've actually stolen a few of your folks over onto the aviation (laughs) careers podcast to to talk to to them about uh what they're doing there especially in safety so that's been been awesome uh it's privatejetpodcast.com right tom yeah, that's it, privatejetpodcast.com. And, cool. Uh, we had a real good interview coming out here in the next couple of weeks, first part of October, about uh, safety reporting, which I know you you and the airline have a very solid program. But in the corporate world, yeah, we're just picking up on that. So good stuff. Interesting, interesting stuff. Well, I would, lo- I can't wait to hear that because we're, we're just doing that at the college also. Uh, you know, Polk State College, where I'm, I'm uh, coaching the flight team, I also sit on one of the safety committees there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really fascinating stuff. So I really can't wait till, till that comes out. So go check it out. Private jet podcast. If you need, want to talk to Tom or me or anybody here at, at aviation careers podcast, make sure you email us feedback at aviation careers com. We'll forward it on to the right person. Uh, we also, by the way, we're again, we're still moving forward with the scholarships and oh gosh, you know what I need to do? I meant, I forgot. I got to mention the scholarship of the week this week is, uh, the AOPA no singer flight training scholarship. It's $12,000. Oh, that's God. a whole bunch. You know, that sounds like a lot to us, but that's to get a, a private, you know, this scholarship is actually offered through the AOPA flight training scholarships program in hopes of expanding the pilot population by helping an individual who has a defined interest in learning how to fly. However, would be unable to without the extra funds from the scholarship. You know, Larry Noe is a, a Bonanza G36 owner, great airplane, and an instrument-rated commercial pilot, and recognizes the need to assist students who have a financial need and a strong desire to complete flight training. His desire is for students to use the scholarship to begin an aviation-related career track 
or fly recreationally, as he does. So this is for people that want to move forward and fly. Go check it out. It's in aviationcareerpodcast.com slash 91, or uh, you can always go to the Scholarships Guide. If you're a member of the website, it's uh, $10 for a month for a membership. It's also $100 for the year. Uh, we are constantly adding scholarships. We brought on a new scholarships and analyst just recently, which we talked to in the last episode of Paul Greco, and he's uh, he's been doing a bang-up job along with Russ, uh, who's the scholarships administrator. We've actually really come and had a great tie-in with some of these uh, these scholarships out there. By the way, another thing I want to mention on the scholarships, uh, a lot of these scholarships that we have, their their periods of being open are very short. So what the reason we put this this directory together is to democratize the process. We want to make sure everybody knows about every scholarship out there. So if you see a scholarship that's available from September to October and you want to apply for it, you put it on your calendar and say, listen, go back and apply for this scholarship. Click on this website. We're going to give you that information because a lot of times you can't find it anymore because it goes away on the Internet. We'll have it in our directory for you. We're also coming out. we got the September issue of the aviation uh, or the aerospace scholarships guide. It's uh, when we update it in Kindle, we update it online. We'll let you know it's important that you get our newsletter so you know when we've updated that. When we do that, if you're one of the people that that has the guide in Kindle, you have to refresh your your uh, your guide or your book with the new version. The new version is automatically downloaded, so uh, so you'll get the updated information. So make sure you do that. Also, another thing I wanted to mention is that people ask about uh, interview prep and coaching and career counseling. We do do that. Uh, you can find that on our coaching tab, and uh, you know we'll help you move forward in your aviation career, and, and and we'll bring you through the process. It might be just one session, it might be multiple sessions, uh, it might just be reviewing your resume or you know going over an interview. Uh, most of the interview prep that I've done, uh, I think the people were ready uh, for the most part, but just getting over that nervousness of the interview was really important. And we'll do an interview right over Skype, and I'll ask you, you know, hey, I want you to get dressed up like you're getting ready for the interview, and I'm going to interview you. And uh, and we're, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting. You'll learn a lot, and uh, it'll make you stretch and grow. So that's really Those important. practice sessions like that are priceless. Yeah, they sure are. Uh, and it's helped me, too. I mean, sitting in front of a mirror is one of the ways to do that. And sitting in front of somebody like myself and getting feedback is really important. There's a whole bunch of other folks out there that do that, too, and I think they're all really good. Uh, so it's just one of the things that, that we offer, and we have we have certain tie-ins with certain airlines, and uh, that kind of helps, too. Um, and so, so you know, email us about that information. Also, if you want to leave a, a voicemail, please keep doing that. We're starting to figure out how to put them into the podcast now, finally. So, uh, again, that's Dip My Wings. Remember, Dip My Wings. It's three. Four seven six nine nine four six four seven. Of course, this episode and all the other episodes have been uh, sponsored by AerospaceScholarships.com. If you want to sponsor an episode, you have an aviation product or service, uh, please let us know something that's in the training world. Uh, send a, an email to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We'd, we'd love to help you out in uh, sponsoring an episode here. Well, folks, one thing I want you to do and, and remember is that during this time, I want you to, to move forward in your career, but, but one thing I want you to do is this, and I know Tom wants you to do this also, is, is don't get complacent. Don't get complacent during this, this whole pilot shortage or lack of qualified pilots. There's always an up and down in the industry. Keep moving forward in your career. Integrity is really important in your career. Are you doing those things that are going to move you forward? Are you actually getting the skills you need to move forward to the next job now and in your future career? Folks, I want you to think about that, and I want you to keep doing that. We'll talk to you next episode. Again, this is Carl Valeri. I'm here with Tom Wachowski at AviationCareersPodcast.com, episode 91. We'll talk to you next episode. 
You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. <laughs>